What a great, what a great time of worship we've enjoyed thus far this morning. We are continuing our series, Time. And perhaps no more time than I can ever remember in my entire life in the last 25 years have I seen men and women make adjustments in their daily schedules more to the point in their careers so they can find themselves in their strength zone or you might would say their spiritual gifts their passion where they yield the most fruit and it, and it streams from all walks of life it's, I know many people who are have gone into the pastorate and who are overseas now as a matter of fact my family um, our personal friends with some missionaries who are flying back to the States this past weekend and they'll enjoy about six months of furlough but I know many people who've made changes inside their career from one profession to another all to put themselves in their sweet spot their strength zone in an, in an attempt to make sure that God gets the most return on his investment in their lives and in each case there is absolutely not one exception to this rule they're each, each applying Psalm 90:12 that says, Teach us to number our days, O Lord, that we may gain a heart of wisdom, a heart of understanding. It's been fascinating for me to watch, especially uh, friends of mine that I'm really close with, to watch how they have totally rearranged their lives and their careers to make sure that they can honor their Lord. And so what I'm learning from them regarding their work is that when we live as if our days are numbered, and our days are numbered, if we live as if our days are numbered, we make better decisions. We make God-honoring decisions every day. That John 3.30 verse comes into play there. For Christ to increase, we must decrease. And what I've learned from my friends is that no one, absolutely no one, is good at everything. And what I've also learned is that very few people this side of heaven ever figure out the purpose that God created them for. Very few. And that's why many people that I know right now in all walks of life, they're, they're living with a sense of urgency. They're living with the sense that this is not dress rehearsal. I want to get it right, right now. I want, I want my life to count. Not just for a, a good spreadsheet at the end of the month and a, a good report to my, my boss, but I, I want my life to count for all of eternity. And one thing I learned from several of my friends in the last couple of years is, a, is a, just a bullet point I want to give you this morning. Our fully exploited strengths are a far greater value than our weaknesses that are improved marginally. And I want you to let that sink in. People from all walks of life learn this. Politicians learn this. Teachers learn this. Coaches learn this. Pastors learn this. CEOs of companies learn this. And I want us to learn this as God's children today. Our fully exploited strengths are of far greater value than our marginally improved weaknesses. Everybody within the sound of my voice this morning, you've been given two or three things in your life that you're exceptionally good at. Now, whether or not you discover what those things are uh, remains to be seen. But God's blessed all of us with two or three things in our life that, that we're good at, that we excel at. We call those spiritual gifts. Some people call those unique abilities. 
And we have to discover those in order for God to get maximum return on his investment in each of us. It's how we invest our time. Now, this morning, Moses is going to teach us something in, in Exodus 18 that's of utmost importance. As a matter of fact, it's a principle of focus that I'm trying to learn right now. And it's something that's very difficult for me to get a handle on, but I want you to check this out. Really important. And this is something that Moses learned in Exodus 18. But Moses didn't get this. Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, a sheep herder, taught him this principle. And here it is. Real interesting. The less you do, the more you can accomplish. It's called the principle of focus from Exodus 18. And the less you do, the more you empower others. If, stipulation, if, if we will empower others through delegating and equipping. So the less you do, the more you can accomplish if you stay focused in the areas that God has gifted you and blessed you. That remains to be seen. And so what I want us to do for a few minutes this morning, I want us to watch how Moses, a patriarch of our faith, responded to his father-in-law's instructions to him after the Red Sea. After the children of Israel were delivered from the hands of Pharaoh. It's a fascinating story of what happens to him. Now here's, let's, let me give you a little background. Moses had already had the burning bush where God said, I want you to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And then he did that. And there was a huge confrontation with Pharaoh. And there were all the plagues. And then there was the Red Sea. And, and, and all, the, all that happened. And now they'd come on the other side of the Red Sea. And they were breathing a little bit deeper. And now, Moses had not seen his family in months. Jethro decides to show up, his father-in-law and his family. And the Bible says in Exodus 18, verse 7, that Moses went out to greet his father-in-law. And I can only imagine the campsite stories that night. Hey, you're not going to believe what happened to me. Remember the burning bush experience? Remember when God said, tell Pharaoh, let my people go? And I did. And then there were all this opposition. And then there was these plagues. And there was all this stuff that happened to me. And then it looked like we were going to die because it was just us, the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's army. And God parted the Red Sea. And we crossed on dry land. And then they died. Follow us. And then here we are. And all of a sudden, the next day is where we pick the scene up in verse 13 of our text. And something interesting begins to happen. Verse 13 of Exodus 18. The next day, Moses took his seat to, to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. And when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you... Why do you sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have dispute, it is brought to me. And I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. Verse 17, Moses' father-in-law replied, And this is a game changer. What you are doing is not good. You and these people will, who will come to you, and you will wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you, and you cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me. It remains to be seen if he does that. And I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. It's a little caveat. If you listen to me, advice, then may God be with you. Next. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to Him. 
Teach them the decrees and laws and show them the way to live and the duties they are to perform. But, change of thought. But, to change up how you're doing things. In other words, Moses, I want you to focus on a couple of things here. And you need to spread the wealth out and delegate a little bit. Verse 21, but select capable men from all the people, men who, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple ones they can decide for themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If, okay, listen carefully. Lean in, you ready? If is the biggest two-letter word in the English language. You know why? It suggests possibilities. It doesn't mean Moses is going to do it. It suggests possibilities. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all the people will go home satisfied. Okay, let that sink in for just a minute. A sheep herder, Jethro, is giving Moses, a patriarch of our faith, this kind of advice. Now, does Moses, does he adhere to that? Does he listen? Verse 24. Here's what he says. Moses listened to his father-in-law. But he didn't just listen to him. The Bible says that he did everything he said. And what Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, was going to be teaching Moses, the patriarch of our faith, the patriarch of your faith, is something called a unique ability or a strength zone or a spiritual gift. And when you're operating in your spiritual gift and when you're working in your spiritual gift and your unique ability, here's what happens. You get better when you do it, people want to see you do it, and you gain energy when you do it. You get better when you do it, you gain energy when you do it, and people want to see you do it. You think about anybody from any walks of life, any profession that they're in, and when they are excelling, man, it's fun to watch them. I have a friend who is a, a lawyer for a law firm not too, far from this, not too far from this church. He's younger than me, but elder attorneys in their late 60s, middle 70s will watch this man in court because he is that good. He's in his unique ability. You watch politicians who can handle a, a, a roundtable discussion. That's a unique ability. Anybody who can stand in front of a crowd and take questions left and right with no script in front of them, that is a God-given ability. Anytime someone can craft something out of very little material, that is a God-given ability. And Jethro was telling Moses, you need to yield to your God-given ability. You see, Moses accepted a task that took him from his primary responsibility. I am guilty as charged of that so many times. How about you? Have you ever been over here and God said, but I called you to be right here? Have you ever been there or is that just me? Have you ever chased a rabbit over here and God says, whoa, 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 back, 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 back. Back to what matters most. Back to what matters most. I called you to do this. And Jethro was saying to Moses, God's called you to lead these people. He didn't call you to argue and defend every case. And what do we learn from this and how we spend our time and how we invest our time specifically in our work and in how we volunteer? Because this is so applicable in how we work every day, whether you're in the middle of your career or whether you're retired or whether you're still at school and you volunteer your time. It's so very important. It's so very applicable. Here are a couple of lessons that we can learn from this. First, 
discover what you're good at and limit the activities on your schedule of those things that you're not very good at. That's all Moses was telling Jethro. He says, you're going to drain yourself. You're going to wear yourself out. You're doing too much. There's no way you can stand up under the load. Delegate it out. Now, here's the interesting thing about this point. If you bring it into the 21st century, you might not know what you're good at, but everybody you work with does. Let that sink in. Everybody knows. And the higher up on the food chain that you go, the less likely they're going to tell you. That's why it's important to get along with God and say, God, let me know. But listen, it's not that complicated. Whatever sucks the energy and the life out of you, that's probably where you don't need to be. And Jethro was telling Moses, back off, equip, delegate, spread the power, spread the authority, spread the wealth out, and you will be so much more effective. Ever been there? Ever taken on things you knew, you knew, you knew you weren't gifted in? And it just crashes all around you. We all have. I have a friend that pastors, a colleague rather, that pastors a mega church in another part of the country. He's brilliant. He's been at this church for over 20 years. He's done the unthinkable in the ministry. He relocated the church and then he stayed. For those of you who do not know the process, that never happens. Usually that's a three-pastor process. And he stayed through the whole thing. And he's been able to reap blessings from the Lord. The church is doing incredibly well. He's reinvented himself several times, not in personality, but in how he presents truth so people, because of the way people process information and because of the way they hear it. He changed because of the way the culture was changing so he could reach more people for Christ. And that's, to be, that's commendable. But one of the people that worked with them that I'm friends with said, but look, after all those things he's good at, here's what we don't do. Here's what we don't do. We don't invite him to a lot of meetings. I was like, what? Oh, no, we don't invite him in a lot of meetings. He'll get us off on a tangent. We'll start chasing rabbits, and we never, we never land the plane. I'm thinking, guy, I think I'm kin to that guy. I think we're kindred spirits. Maybe you can relate with that. When you get out of your lane, when you got to get out of your, sweet, your, your strength zone, your sweet spot, your, your, your spiritual gift, what happens? Man, the energy just leaves you, and if we're not careful, it's a train wreck. Now, here's a question for you. Consider this. How long has it been that you stopped? And you didn't ask anybody but Jesus, where and how did you really hardwire and gift me? Here's the key to bring honor back to you. Most people just put their heads down, they start working, and they rush, they bulldoze through life, and they never ask that question. I've asked that question several times in the last 25 years. I know people all around me have. It's a great question to ask, and what you will discover is that God will reveal to you where he wants you. So discover what you're good at, and then limit those activities that you're maybe not so good at. Here's the second lesson that we learned. Identify the areas where you make the greatest contribution. This was so simple for Moses, so simple. Jethro, the father-in-law, was coming. He's saying, listen, you can lead all these people, these thousands and thousands of people. You can lead them, but you're going to wear yourself out. You've got, 
You've got to equip and to delegate people around you to listen to these cases. You make the greatest contribution when you're out front leading, i.e., the Red Sea, i.e., confrontation with Pharaoh. And so what did he do? Can you imagine what Moses could have Moses could have said this, Jethro, who are you? What have you been doing the last month, father-in-law? How many folks do you have working for you? A couple of your sons? How's that going for you? The sheep herding business. Do you know who I am? Do you know what's happened to me since I left the back 40 and I was taking care of your sheep? I've been leading millions of people out of hundreds of years of oppression from Pharaoh, the baddest, meanest leader in the land. And do you know what? God gave him into my hands. And it's because of my leadership that we are where we are today. Who are you, Jethro? Mm, no, it's not what he said. The text says that after Jethro gave his dissertation, Moses steps back. He listened. That means he processed the information. And then, and then, the Bible says he did what Jethro, the father-in-law, suggested. Because you see, Moses was no different from us. He's gifted in two or three areas. I'm gifted in two or three areas. And so are you. And when we lean into those areas, you know what happens? We're more productive. You know what happens? We're more joyful. You know what happens? We're more at peace. You know what happens? We have a better pace. Why? Because we're operating in our strength zone where God created us to live and to work. And when we do that, God-sized things happen. The Bible puts it like this in Colossians 3.23. It tells us that everything, let everything that we do, we must work as unto the Lord, not, not as unto men. So identify your areas where you're strongest. That's where you make the greatest contribution. Footnote, that's the area where you had the greatest chance of pointing people to Christ. And that's the whole point. When I'm operating and when you're operating in your area of strength zone, what that means is this. You're utilizing your God-given gifts to bring attention back to God. And so when you take the time to pick out those two or three areas, it doesn't mean you let all this other stuff fall by the wayside. It means you take care of that by delegating it out, and then you focus in on the areas where God can get maximum return on his investment in you. And God-sized things happen when you do that. One more takeaway. You give your best time to what makes the greatest impact. Stated another way, you give your best time, your best energy, your passion to those things that will yield eternal dividends. Now here's the cool part about what Moses, the patriarch of our faith, did. He hears the critique from Jethro, the father-in-law, that he hasn't seen in months. The Bible said he listened and he did what he suggested. That's not the best part of the story. That's a cool takeaway. That lets us know Moses was teachable. That lets us know that he avoided the pitfall of pride that will keep you from focusing in on those two or three areas that you're really, really gifted at. The really cool part of the story is not found in Exodus 18. It's found in Exodus 19 and 20. Because in chapter 19, Moses pulled back. And he went up a mountain. And he heard from God. And then in chapter 20, he came down from the mountain. And what did he do? Well, the Bible said that he gave the people the Ten Commandments. 
So all because he listened to his father-in-law Jethro's advice, and he did what his father-in-law suggested, we, the people, God's people, have the Ten Commandments thousands of years later that are still yielding eternal fruit as we speak. He stopped, he listened, and he made the adjustments. More times than not, we're too busy to do that. But when we listen, and we're working in that strength zone, we have the biggest impact for eternity. A few years ago, one of, actually more than a few years ago, a quarter of a century, 25 plus years ago, a good friend of mine who's a businessman walked away from a multi, multi-million dollar job. He walked away from a brokerage company where he was one of the top producers in the nation. He, le- he left millions, and here's why he did it. Because he wanted to be able to start his own company and share his faith unhindered. And when he walked away from the big deals, he came up with two questions. And he, he basically he said, you know, I, I offer financial and insurance services with a twist. Here's the twist. He'll ask you two questions if you ever come for him for financial advice. Question number one. Is there any area in your life where you are treading water? And you've been going down and bobbing up, going down and bobbing up. Is there any area in your life right now that you just, is it emotional? Is it financial? Is it relational? Is it, what, what area of your life are you treading water? And we all usually have at least one area in our life that we're treading water. That usually opens up the door to question number two. What one thing can you do over the next six to 12 months that will help get you unstuck? Brilliant, brilliant strategy, which has opened up the door for him to share his faith multiple times. Fast forward that to one of my colleagues and, and friends and, and running partners, actually a, a young man that was in a, an LTG with me several years ago, a discipleship group several years ago. He made a huge move in his career. He was in pharmaceutical sales, and he left one company to go to another company, which is not a, uncommon or not a real big deal. Except this oncology company, he, I mean, this, this company, he sold, um, he sold cancer drugs. He, he went and called on oncologists every day. It took him months and months and months to train for this job. And after he was meeting with me, we, the first question that we ask in our discipleship group every week is, have you been a testimony this week to the greatness of Jesus Christ in word and deed? And oftentimes we think, well, you can't answer yes to that question if you've not shared your faith. But... Nothing can be further from the truth. Sometimes that God opens up the door for us to share our faith, and many times he doesn't. I said, tell me about your day. After months and months of training and having to learn the verbiage of communicating uh, how the, the, the drug interacts with other drugs and how it interacts with treatment and all that kind of stuff, he's a brilliant guy. He says, well, you know, I obviously call on oncologists, but usually I have to wait. That's what pharmaceutical reps do. They'll go, they'll call. Sometimes they get, they get jetted back there. Many times they wait. I said, what do you do when you're waiting? He goes, I always talk to the nurses, and I always talk to the receptionist, and I always ask God, God help me to talk to patients. Give me opportunities to talk to the patients. I said, well, what do you do when you're talking to the patients? And he says, well, I just listen. Sometimes I'll hold their hand. There have been times I've prayed with them. 
What about the nurses? What about office personnel? Oh, I do the same thing. I say, can you not see what's happening here? Do you not see this? He has the gift of mercy, this guy. Humongous gift of mercy. And he would give you the shirt off his back if he felt like you needed it. And when he made this huge move, when he made this move, what he was doing, he was putting himself in a position not just to excel financially, which he has. He put himself in a position to make Christ known in the details of life, more specifically in the doctor's office of an oncologist. You make the greatest impact in the area where God has uniquely gifted you. And what area is that for you? Whatever area it may be, don't run away from it. Don't run away from it. Embrace that spiritual gift that God has given you. And understand the greatest joy and the greatest satisfaction and peace, the way we invest our time, that joy, satisfaction, and peace come when we're living and working in an area where God gets the greatest impact from the way we invest our time. Teach us, the Bible says, to number our days that we may gain a heart of understanding and peace. You see, when we live as if our days are numbered, and they are, we make better decisions with our time that point others to Christ. And friends, regardless of what we do Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, that's the goal of every Christian, to point people back to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for a few minutes to celebrate you today. And Lord, we ask right now that you help us to, as best we can, to process what we've heard today. And Lord, I do pray you help us, each and every one of us, to number our days, because tomorrow's not guaranteed. This afternoon is not guaranteed. And Lord, help us as we number our days to live with purpose Thank you that when we fumble the ball here, you put us right back in the game and you help us. You help us to understand what matters most. And so, Lord, as we transition to a response time, I pray, I pray that we will respond in a way that brings honor to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand. And speaking of time, I want to mention the the the. the the first next step that many of us can take today is what we do with Christ. And the Bible says that salvation is a gift of God, not of works, least any man boast. In other words, it's a free gift, but it's a free gift that's offered to you by Christ that you have to do something. You have to accept it. And maybe you've never done that. Maybe you never have. I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about that. Maybe you wonder what believer's baptism is all about. We can talk about that. Jesus set the example in Matthew 3. Perhaps there needs to be a, a recalibration in your life today. We can do that right here at the altar. You can do that right where you're standing. Or maybe, just maybe, you need to make this your church home. Or maybe there's another decision here today that needs to be made. Whatever's on your heart right now, the only way to leave here with the heart of peace is to walk in obedience with the one the Bible calls the Prince of Peace. His name is Christ Jesus, and he gives us an opportunity to respond 
right now.